Hi everyone, it's Carmen Prang and I'm the Agronomy Extension Specialist with Sask Wheat. Thanks for joining us on The Wheat Profit. Today, I'm so glad to be joined by Christiane Cotillier, who is a research associate with IHARF, also known as the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation. So welcome Christiane and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So today we'll be talking about all things on-farm research. So this past growing season was the inaugural year for Sask Wheat's on-farm trial program. Through this program, our goal is to have producer-led farm-scale research on wheat-related topics. These results will provide localized data to help producers make decisions on their farm under their conditions and management practices. So this year, we have participants from around the province evaluate seeding rates in spring wheat, as ideal seeding rates can vary based on management, variety, and environment. We really want to see if we could help producers maximize their yield, their quality, and economic return by altering their seeding rates. So before we get into the results from this year's trials, I just kind of want to back up and talk about why we even need on-farm research. And so this is where Christiane comes in. So Christiane, can you tell us a bit about your background and what your experience with on-farm research has been? So I'm not a farmer, so my experience has been all from a researcher perspective. So over the last few years working at IHARF, I've been working on building the field scale side of our program. We've had like a few replicated strip trials on site with our own field scale equipment. And also I've been working with local producers, mostly collecting data in their fields, but not doing the replicated strip trials. It's been really good to build those relationships and to get to know a bit more about those operations. So we can hopefully take that next step to the replicated strip trials, hopefully in the next growing season. And then I guess also this last season, I helped um, you or Sasquatch to initiate your field scale program by coordinating um, one of the sites for the seeding rate trial here in Indian Head. Um, this was a great learning experience, and I think it'll really help me visualize that producer perspective as I plan for next season. So why do you think doing on-farm research is important for farmers? You know, farmers are often busy enough during the growing season, so how can they benefit from setting time aside to conduct research? I would say the, the biggest benefit to the farmer um, in spending time doing that on-farm research is being able to validate that a new product or practice works or is effective under their own management style using their own equipment and logistics and on their own soil and field conditions. The second benefit I can think of is, is being able to test that new product or practice on a smaller portion of their acreage before committing to the whole farm. So it's like a risk management strategy. So field scale research is like the last step in agronomic research. It's like a proof of concept. So you're testing something that's been theoretically pro proven, but you're testing it under commercial management. So like on your real working farm. And that makes a lot of sense because the goal of agronomic research in the end is better crop production. And commercial management is how the crops are produced. So it's, it's just a, a very um, practical last step. So if a producer was interested in, say, trying a new product, like you mentioned, on their farm or trying a new best management practice, how would they go about doing that? And how do they set up a meaningful trial? And what are some of the important things that they should keep in mind, in your opinion? 
you want to you want to start by narrowing down your questions. So what's important to you? What's been bugging you? Like what's you've been kind of asking yourself if it would be better to do a different way than you're actually doing it. So after you have this in mind, then you can start thinking about the treatments that you'll want or need to to answer that question. So for field scale research, you usually want to stick to a smaller number of treatments, like two or three, to keep it manageable. And one of those treatments would be your normal or your base management that you would otherwise be doing. At this point, one thing I really want to start getting out as a message is that there's more than one way to do field scale research. So I find that the agronomic industry in general has really focused on strip trials replicated within fields. And don't get me wrong, like there's a reason for this. It's, it's very efficient and, and it's very effective experimental design and it's basic and straightforward. So farmers and agronomists who aren't like trained in research at a high level can, can even use this experimental design independently and still get some good results with just a basic analysis. But sometimes you have a question that isn't easily addressed using this design or else the logistics don't work. Like you have to always think about logistics when you're doing that field scale research because these things are happening um, at the same time as all the bottlenecks on the farm are happening. So seeding and spraying and harvest. So um, if the logistics don't work to set it up as a strip trial, or if it's just something that doesn't work as a strip trial in, gen in general, um, there's other experimental designs that you can use um, to answer your question. But I would say in this case, you'd probably want to reach out to a research specialist to help you with the experimental design. Things like applying treatments on half of a field or just a smaller acreage portions have really gotten a bad rap, but the really the main issue is replication. So if you, if you apply a treatment in a single block on a single field, your results, you can't really conclude anything confidently. But if you do the same thing on a few different fields, um, then you're getting that replication that's really important. And another thing that's really important is good data collection and appropriate data collection. And that's a little bit harder to figure out when you're starting to look at these different experimental designs. And that's why it's, it's good to get in touch with the research specialist in that case. No, that sounds awesome. So once the farmers have the trial set up, how do they pull out results that are useful and meaningful? I would say proper replication is the most important thing. So like what replication does is it increases your confidence that any observed effects or anything you see in your field wasn't due to chance. So for example, if you have a single replication, how confident can you really be that what you saw was a result of that treatment? It's basically a 50-50 chance at that point. So then when we talk about replication, we mean of that set of treatments. So all the treatments replicated once. So if you only have two treatments, the two treatments, like your control or your basic or your um, normal, um, and then your other one that you're comparing it to, those two treatments replicated once is what defines a block or a replicate. You want to make sure that the conditions within that block 
just those two treatments that the single set of treatments are under those conditions. You wanna make sure those are consistent, reasonably uniform. Then your next block or your next replicate can have completely different conditions. So that's where I, I'm going with, you can have a completely different field. As long as your conditions are pretty uniform within that, that same block, because you want to be comparing apples to apples, right? With like more and more replicates, you can start to work out how consistent that response is. So how often you're seeing the same thing, um, and then you increase your confidence that that observed effect is actually a result of the treatment. We can talk about appropriate data collection, accurate data collection there too, but I think I touched on the most important thing and that's that replication. So maybe now that we understand a bit about why on-farm research is important, now we can maybe get into the good stuff and see what our results were from our first year of our Sasquee on-farm trials. So like I mentioned, we were testing seeding rates in spring wheat this year. We had four producers participate from around the province. They tested a low, medium, and high seeding rate based on a desired plant population. Currently, the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture recommends a target plant population of 20 to 25 plants per square foot for CWRS varieties. And so we are targeting 20, 25, and 30 plants per square foot as a desired plant population to test. So there are many reasons why producers would look at altering their seeding rates. Most obvious is to increase yield, but also increasing seeding rates has been shown to be a weed management tool and can also help with maturity and uniformity as well. So with this information in mind, the producers went out and seeded the trials with their target seeding rates with the goal of seeing if there's a statistically significant difference between the treatments. So Christiane, can you talk a bit about your involvement with the Sasquatch on Farm Trial Program? You already mentioned that you ran one of the sites for us. What other role did you play and what was your experience like with the program? That I, I coordinated and managed a single site um, of the seeding rate trial in the Indian Head area. And then I also helped with um, the data analysis of all the sites together. In general, it was a really good way for everyone to learn together and kind of ease into the program. It was a good pilot year, I guess you could say. Um, it was also a really good learning experience for myself personally as well as a researcher. Um, I really learned like what role I need to play in my relationship with the producers, with the collaborating producers. So in my past experiences doing on-farm research, I played a more passive role, like mainly, mainly like collecting data in their fields and then just letting them manage everything as usual. We didn't have like the strips to set up in the field then. And then I would just get management info from them when things slow down for them. But I found, I found out that it's, better for them if I do take a little more of that active role and help them plan ahead and get timely information from them. So like I used to be always worried that every time I texted or called the farmer that they'd be annoyed and that would put them off of participating in the future. But it was it was sort of the opposite. Like sometimes they, they don't or can't respond right away or they need a reminder. And that's completely understandable like I don't expect anything different so yeah I just I just learned a lot about that communication um it's good to know each other's expectations right from the start so and like I just wanted to add here too that the biggest reason producers are often hesitant to 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 do the on-farm research is that like I mentioned before like the important things that have to get done for research are happening right when they don't have time to deal with it. So during seeding, spring, harvest. I think really the best way to deal with this is 
planning everything way ahead so that we're ready and efficient when the time comes to do the trial. And that's kind of the goal, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would say that all of our producers were really good at communication throughout the year. They were really good at updating us when they were spraying and what products they were spraying and um, sending us pictures and how things were looking. So that definitely helped a lot. For sure. At and throughout the year, too, we also collected data points ourselves, such as plant counts, yield data, and then grain quality samples as well. And then you took all this information and you conducted the statistical analysis for us to get the data to get our results. So can you talk a little bit about what our results showed this year? You know, did the higher seeding rate actually yield better than the lower rate under this year's conditions? So the results were sort of unexpected, but not completely out of line with past research, I would say. Um, in general, there actually seemed to be a trend of decreasing yield with increasing seeding rates. And like I said, sort of unexpected, but not completely out of line with past research. It's kind of dependent, as we say <laughs> a lot in research. <laughs> so um, the results weren't significant at individual sites. And that's pretty typical with field scale research. It's, it's hard to get a significant um, result with field scale research. You have a lot more variability to deal with. And we, even we, especially we lost some reps and, at some sites. And then we probably could have done a better job at controlling experimental error. Like for example, we had like non-uniform sprayer tracks throughout some of the the plots and then we like which we had to account for we did account for it but it's still like that that level of error that we have to deal with and um we also use estimated yields from the yield monitors rather than using the wave yields in some cases and so like i said it was a learning experience for all and like even even with those sort of um issues not really issues but learning experiences i'll call them we still we still had some results. Like interestingly, um, when we combined the data across the sites, the yield decrease—the yield decrease with higher seeding rates was actually significant. So this was significant, um, and that's with the data combined. So that shows you the the power of like the replication, um, and just this on its own is pretty meaningful in my opinion, um, considering the issues. Like I said, um, so yeah, it's it's interesting and and I think a meaningful result. Um, so we decided that it was probably an environmental effect, um, but I feel like with the non-response at individual sites and that negative response overall, we can at least conclude that there wasn't an economic benefit to increasing the seeding rate. So can you talk a little bit more about the environmental impact and how it uh, impacted our results? Was it due to the dry weather and the drought? We didn't have a dry weather and drought at all the locations this year. so. We, we discussed it as a group with the collaborating producers, like we had a meeting with all of them together this fall. And the conclusion we kind of came to was that the lower seeding rates benefited from having um, more tillers and then better tiller development because of the timing of the precipitation. So even though some sites were dry, they had precipitation events in like June um, midsummer that would have really benefited the development of those tillers. So I think that's kind of what we came to a conclusion with the collaborating producers. So like in that case, um, with the tillers being larger, they would have a larger overall contribution to the yield. So we, we, we figured that's what happened. Um, 
sometimes it's learning learning experience for next year how to what we need to measure next year so yeah we we could maybe even um as we conduct this trial more often we can start like collecting environmental data to go with the sites and then we can like characterize the sites with um total precipitation timing of precipitation things like that that we think are affecting our results so all things that more replication gives us so if we were to try this trial again, like you mentioned, in a different year under different conditions, do you think you would see different results? Like, do you think you'd see the higher seeding rate yielding more than the lower seeding rate in, say, a wet year? That's hard to say. We had at that same meeting, we had that presentation from um, Eric Johnson and showing us the the kind of the, re the, re the review of the research from everything that's been done with wheat seeding rates. And um, it really does depend on the environment. And I think we could answer that question more by doing a better job of characterizing that environment, like I said before. So um, not just on a field scale either, just in general. Um, I think we're learning with all the precision ag stuff that, yeah, that environmental data, um, we can start incorporating it into the analysis, not just having it alongside. Um, and that's gonna help us really pick out differences between sites and stuff like that. Awesome, so if you want to dive deeper into our results from our trials this year, they will be posted on the Sasquatch website. So stay tuned for those. So switching gears a little bit, Christiane, you are also building a similar on-farm research program through IHARF. So can you just tell us a little bit about the program that you're building and what you hope to achieve? I'm hoping to expand our field scale research program significantly this year. Like I've been kind of working on that for a few years, but I think this is going to be the, the big year, hopefully. But I, I think as a goal for um, my program at IHARF is I really want the questions and topics that we cover to come from the farmers. So I feel like the farmers are more likely to get involved and want to do the research if the question is important to them, if it's something that they're specifically personally interested in on their own farm. So um, I'm starting off this kind of hopefully bigger year by hosting a workshop um, where farmers will be able to bring forward their questions, like the questions that they're interested in seeing on a, on a field scale and have a bit more of a say in where the program goes. And that's kind of like our, my board of directors likes that, that as well. So um, the event is called the IHARF On Farm Research Seminar and it may have passed when this comes out, but um, the goal is to bring a, a new perspective to producers and really just hopefully get them to join the initiative after attending this meeting. So, and then I'll also be working like in the in next year and, and in the future, I'll also be working alongside the commissions like SASQUIT um, to help you grow and deliver your on-farm programs as well. Um, and then we'll hopefully be able to get some local sites for your program in, in Southeast Saskatchewan again next year. So, Yeah, that'll be awesome. So if producers can't make it to the meeting, or like you said, the meeting is passed when this airs, um, how else can producers uh, be involved in your program? Can they reach you through email? Yes, absolutely. If you don't get my email, just go to the iHarf website, www.iharf.ca. Ca, and there's generic contact information on there. And if it's a question about our on on farm research program, it'll probably it'll get directed to me. Um, I would be happy to hear from you for sure. I'd love to chat. Yeah, and I think you can also stay tuned to the iHarf Twitter to watch for future events as well. For sure. 
So uh, same with the SaskWeet program. If you are wondering how you can get involved in doing research on your farm next year through SaskWeet, we are opening up applications for next year already. So currently just shoot me an email, head to the SaskWeet website, you can find it there. And we will be hopefully uh, posting an application form on our website soon as well. I would just like to say a huge thank you to Christiane for joining us today and sharing your knowledge on everything on-farm research. If you are interested in knowing more about seeding rates, a lot of the Saskatchewan agroarm sites have done work in this area, including IHARF, ICDC, and WARC. And also Brian Berries, Ross McKenzie, and Eric Johnson, to name a few, have also done work in this area that you can check out. The Alberta Wheat Commission and Manitoba Crop Alliance also have on-farm research programs that have ran similar trials, including the seeding rate trial. So feel free to check out their results on their websites as well. Thank you for listening to the Wheat Profit Podcast. For podcast archives, agronomy information, and more about Sask Wheat, go to saskwheat.ca.